Hi there, and thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Adam Shaw, and this is the Restorationist Podcast. We're right in the middle of a really important series called COVID Chronicles, where we're talking to church leaders about how they're leading their churches and their congregations through this COVID-19 pandemic that has plunged the world into uncertainty. Today, I'm excited to be able to share with you an interview I did with my friend, Pastor Ryan Dean. He is the associate pastor of the Pentecostals of Bossier City in Bossier City, Louisiana. In fact, I interviewed his father on preaching and his approach to preaching. And you can listen to that interview if you just scroll through the past previous episodes. But today I talked to Pastor Ryan about how they're keeping people engaged spiritually through their Sunday online worship experience, as well as about how they're keeping people connected to serving in ministry and relationally connected to each other. It's a fantastic interview. I took away so much from it, and I know you will too. So, without any further ado, let's get right into our interview with Pastor Ryan Dean. Well, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for being on The Restorationist today. Super pumped to have you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, so... We want to talk about how the Pentecostals of Bossier City is addressing COVID-19. I know Louisiana has been hit hard, and, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to kind of get into that. But, but kind of for context sake, so people know kind of the story of, of you know, your ministry and your role at kind of Bossier City, could you, could you tell us a little bit about where you serve now, what your role is, and, and kind of how God led you led you there. Yeah. Now I'm the assistant pastor. I have been for two years, but previously had served uh, for 15 years as a student pastor. And um, I started really young. It kind of just happened. I, I um, wasn't always doing great. You know my story. Uh, people listening probably won't, but had a few years where I kind of dropped off of the face of the earth spiritually and um, was just kind of biding my time until I could move out of my parents' house and, you know, never go to church again. But um, whenever I, I think I was almost 19 years old, um, got hit hard by God, almost against my will, and um, prayed through and then immediately started trying to serve him, started trying to spend as much time up there at the church, trying to be a help instead of a hindrance. And then it was about two years later is whenever I started youth pastoring at 20 years old and I've served in that role for 15 years before the present one. Right now, um, you know, I, I think people generally know what the role of assistant pastor is, um, but it feels a lot more flexible than um, student pastoring because uh, with I told somebody the transition has been a little bit weird because you're not actually in charge of a department anymore. Like with youth ministry, you're like the pastor of your young little church, just underneath the authority of your, of your own pastor. But now like assistant pastoring, it's like, you're not actually in charge of any one department, but you have a hand in seemingly all of them, you know? So that's just trying to make every department look good as I, I think the, the goal, especially to make your, your pastor look good and do any work that can ease his load. And and you and I, we've had a lot of conversations. We we both work with our dads, and our our dads are have very similar personalities, which is one of the things that I was so like so cool. Like I remember when you when I was when I was in Bozier, 
your dad picked me up to go out for coffee. And I was like, I'm hanging out <laughs> with Southern dad right now. <laughs> it's yeah, like and, everything and what, is the same. Weird is over the years, every single, every single conversation, we find out a new way in which our dads are alike. Yes. Yeah. And, no, uh, they both grew up in rural areas. And yep. My dad grew up in a cheese factory. Themselves yep. Rural guys, even though they're not rural anymore, but yep, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so no, I, I, I think this is cool. Cause you're, you're the first interview we've done in this series that, that is not in a, a scene in a senior pastor role. And I think that's the perfect yeah. summation, the perfect summation of uh, an assistant associate executive, whatever, if it's not senior or not a departmental kind of leadership role, you, you have your hand in everything. You're in charge of the execution or oversight or the oversight of the execution of nearly everything, but you don't occupy that, that, you know, kind of position of authority and power. Your role is to serve the one who is the, the, you know, got the final say in the organization or to uh, execute that vision as you kind of assist and serve the other kind of departmental leaders. I, I thought it was an excellent definition. Um, so, so, you know, one of the things just for context sake, so you're the assistant pastor working with your dad in Bossier City, Louisiana, what is the pre-COVID attendance of of Bossier City? And just because we're interviewing uh, leaders from different size uh, churches to help provide context. Um, so what was the pre-COVID attendance before COVID? Yeah, we, that's, that's part of what, um, if you, if you are the worrisome type, that's part of what would be concerning for us because we had just started averaging uh, right over 600 after having about a year and a half long period of sustained growth. It was just kind of a consistent growth trend where we were, you know, trending in the, the correct direction. Seemingly week by week, we would just have a greater number of people. And um, we've, yeah, we've been averaging right at 600 people. And uh, awesome. that's kind of where we are right before this whole thing started. So, um, so that's amazing. Um, so you're in this period of sustained growth and then COVID happens. So how has, how is COVID-19 now this, this is like my first global pandemic. So this is the kind of the big question that I'm asking everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how has COVID-19 impacted, whether it's for good, for neutrality or for ill, how has it impacted your local church? Yeah, we don't know the exact number because there have been some people that have seemed to have already gotten over it and they didn't know what they had at the time. But right now, um, I believe we've had six or seven people actually with COVID-19. Uh, thank God all of them seem to have recovered. That's awesome. Um, Praise but God. we still don't know. Louisiana, like you said, Louisiana has been hit hard disproportionately compared to the rest of the United States. We only have 4.6 million people, but we, we, I think we're like fourth in the nation last I checked. As far as the total number of cases, over 21,000 so far. And our area in particular has been hit very hard. And um, it's, it's, it's weird. I told somebody the other day, man, I remember probably the most impactful day of our lives. You know, people look back from previous generations. They look at like JFK's assassination as, a day where they remember where they were, where ours was 9-11. You know, I remember that day vividly. I remember the way that it changed life. And I remember the way that it changed a lot about the 
way that the world works, but nothing in my life has changed our day-to-day life as much as this. Um, the average citizen, I would say, for obviously military people, it's different, but for the average citizen, this has changed our day-to-day life in a way that, that nothing ever has in our lifetime. So I, I, yeah, com- I completely church, agree. This is the first time that we haven't been to church. I completely agree when I, when you, you know, I said the same thing in a previous interview. I said, I, I don't, when I remember I was in my last year of high school when, um, when 9-11 happened. Uh, and I watched the second plane hit the second tower. And I remember in the back of my mind thinking, this will be the defining event of my generation and it and it was and and this is not to negate the tragedy of 9/11 but when you compare the wide reaching global impact this is what's what's happening in the world and how it's impacted our our day-to-day life economic projections um uh from the central bank of canada is they're expecting this to be the largest economic contraction in our nation's history and they've actually stopped as of this recording, the the day prior to we recording recording this interview, the Bank of Canada said they are ceasing to do any future economic projections because it's so uncertain, and we have no model. They're just going to deal with it as it comes. That's a little crazy. That's scary if you allow it to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's unlike anything that I've ever experienced by far. So. You're in a, a hard hit state. Um, um, you know, um, it's hit. It's hit your local church. It's impacted. You know, people and members and in, in, within your local church. Um, but the mission of the kingdom and the mission of the church has to continue. So we're in this uncertain time. It's probably going to be the defining event of a generation, if if not a like a cent, a whole century. Um, but we got to still find a way to keep the machine moving forward, the kingdom of God moving forward. So. If you right. could, if you could kind of walk us through how how is Bozier City managing managing Sunday? That Sunday worship experience uh, is probably the first thing you started to work on, um, if not the first, one of the first things. Just because the gathering together on Sunday, on you know, on the Lord's Day, that's like that's the big thing that we do, and then you all of a sudden couldn't right. do that anymore. Everyone went on lockdown. So how is the Pentecostals of Bossier City managing Sunday? And then walk us through what a typical online Sunday experience looks like. Well, first, you know, it was a gradual rollout. We thought that we were going to be able to have maybe, well, at first we split it up into two services and everybody in the pews were spread out. But then when they said no more, no more groups of people, I think the first number was 50 and now they've lowered it down to 10 like everybody else, we're just trying to figure it out, you know, like what, what's even possible for us to do. And so we started off, um, and I want you to tell me what you thought about this at the time, but like we started off there uh, thinking, okay, well, we need to have that little more intimate experience because our philosophy was if our people in, in our, in our church, if they're in their homes watching this service, then we need to maybe make them feel more comfortable in that by kind of mimicking the home setup. Right. And so, uh, you know our student pastor, you know our production team manager, uh, student pastors Levi Golden, production team managers Dean Carter. Um, I have to, before I say anything, I have to give a massive shout out to them because without them, we would be flailing. Uh, yeah. They've done so much of the work 
all the setup for all this stuff, all the editing, all the uploading and all that, they've, they've done it. And if, if you don't have somebody in your church like them, it is a more, it's an uphill battle. However, there might be somebody sitting in your pews um, that you don't even know is gifted in this area. And I think a lot of people's giftings are probably going to reveal themselves during this time period. And uh, it's going to actually involve some people that, that haven't been involved in the past. But what we do is we start off with that little living room experience. And we had couches set up in a circle. We had some bookshelves in there. We tried to dim out the, the, the congregational area as much as possible. And we would just get up there. We would treat it like a, like a shortened church service. We would have two songs of worship. And then we get Pastor Dean or myself up there and, and record. But everybody's staying six feet apart or more. At first, they were on the couches together. And they're like, well, we got to get the couches out so that they're not so close together. Every door that can be propped open in the building is. Everything is Lysol. As soon as somebody gets done singing, we're spraying down the microphones. Um, so we're taking all the precautions that we can. But um, I don't know if I don't know if you guys have experienced this. We haven't talked about it, but when we started this whole thing and we're live streaming, the traffic on some of these servers was such that our stream was having trouble starting. It was it was lagging a lot. It was having a lot of issues. Did that did that happen, to you guys? It it did. We um we still stream live, um and we're still we're still doing live. We don't we don't have the the congregation size uh, or the kind of the broader. Um, online traction that 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 you have um we we actually had to switch from obs to wirecast and um and we're getting ready to upgrade kind of the the ram and our computer to, as a short-term fix but when it seemed to be when we moved to wirecast we were able to maintain the live stream without it yeah. going crazy but kind of what you said i remember you guys doing the short services or sorry, the the smaller crowd at the very beginning, and that was the plan, and then you got yeah. hit with the shelter in place order. That I for me that was the most discombobulating thing to all of this. It seemed yeah. like every every forty eight, every seventy two hours, things were changing in our in our province, and I'm sure it was probably the same in Louisiana as well. As it like it was, it was like you you couldn't have any more than two hundred and fifty people. Um, that was the kind of the first crowd restriction. We were like, okay, cool. So we're just going to roll like normal um, at our church because we're under 250. Um, and then they were, then they shaded 10 and we're like, okay, we'll move to online experience. We'll figure that out. And then it was five, no more than five right. people, <laughs> which. Which that's my whole home. Like that's us and our three kids. Like we're, we're, we've reached the limit. So if we were had another kid, I guess we'd have to have like a temporary home split in order to make this thing work. Well, that was, that honestly is the only exception they gave was if your family is already <laughs> over five people, they can remain within the home in which they live. And we're like, thanks government. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was, it was no, no, no gatherings over five. So thankfully, like you have, uh, uh, Levi and, and, and Dean, we have Matt and Jordan Ansley shout out to shout out yeah, to man. them. Um, and you know, for a church of, of our size, if you've been to those that are listening, if you've been to North American youth Congress, all opening videos, a lot of promo videos, a lot of things you see on the, on the screens in the service are made by them. So when we had the shelter in place order or they, everyone stay at home, no more gatherings of five or more, thankfully Matt and Jordan are able to run live mix, play instruments run cameras, pro presenter, uh, camera switcher, 
and manage our live stream like all at the same time. It's it's super hardcore. Yeah. But yeah. so you guys got the a, kind of a living room set up. Is that what you're still doing? Is is that the current process? Just people are a little well, more spread okay, out. Okay, so this this was going to bring you up, man. Are you familiar with uh, Church Pro Tools on YouTube? Uh Brady Shearer. Yes. 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 Uh, okay, so he he he's one of the people that we've looked at, and uh, what he said on one of his most recent videos was basically. Stop thinking that you have to have your church with the pulpit on the platform where the lights set up and pretend like you're speaking out to the crowd. And there's some of it that like, I would, I would definitely agree with. Like, you don't have to look out and pretend that there's people in the pews. That's very awkward when we all know there's nobody out in the pews. Yeah. It, that seems, that seems kind of overproduced. Uh, and then what Brady Shear said was, don't use the cop out. Every church is different. You know, he said, you need to go to a more intimate environment. So he's a huge advocate of that. However, um, our people were happy with the way that we were doing it, but then on Easter, we actually set it up back on the platform with our singers up there and the musicians over on the sides kind of spread far out, but it looked more like our church environment. We took away the bookshelves and the couches and all that. And my dad spoke from behind the pulpit, just facing that one camera. And the feedback that we got from our people was almost unanimous. We did a pretty broad, uh, review of it with a bunch of different people the past few days. And we looked at the data last night and basically even our young people, like everybody preferred the way that we did it on Easter. And my guess is the thing that makes us different is that Pentecost is different and that it, it almost requires, it demands a response from you. Yes. A lot of churches and I'm sure, you know, a lot of the denominal world, these churches, they don't require a response out of them. You can come, you can sit, you don't have to say amen, you don't have to worship, you don't have to be involved, you don't have to come to the front, you can stay where you are, you don't even really have to interact that much. But in Pentecost, you know, we go to Acts all the time, it's men and brethren, what shall we do? It's a response is required by the message. And so whenever you take it so far away from the environment that they're comfortable with, and then you present them with a living room set up on your platform, I think our people were like, what? Well, Somebody told me, they said, I felt more like an observer rather than a participant. But as soon as we did Easter the way that we did it, it made me feel like I was back in church and I was able to worship more freely. And that kind of took us aback because I was, to be honest, I was one of the main advocates there to spread it out to the, uh, the couch setup. But our people's response was very, very different than what we anticipated. So it looks like we're going back to what my, my, my dad was advocating for in the very beginning, which was to have more of a church-like environment and to some one one of our i think he's in his 50s one of the men that i asked about it he said i was really excited he said but with the with the couch setup he's like i i just kind of sat down and he said i observed it he said but whenever we went back to the easter setup he's like i literally jumped up out of my chair in our home and threw my hands up in the air during the worship at a certain point because it it just elicited a different kind of response from him and i think that's probably what's going to set us apart. And I do know that, yeah, even though Brady Shearer doesn't like this philosophy, every church is different. And, um, I mean, you know, man, you've traveled, you've traveled quite a, quite a good bit. And so, you know, that every church is very different. Um, I think the biggest deal in this whole thing, stop looking side to side and comparing yourself to everybody else. Figure out what works for your church. And if it doesn't work at the beginning, there's no shame in stopping what you're doing and transitioning to something else. But there is a huge spirit of comparison that's going on right now, yeah. and people are gauging their success based upon how cool their setup looks compared to other churches. Get rid of that mindset. That's, that is absolutely not the will of God. 
Now, I, uh, people have to figure out what's going to make their people feel more like they're connected to the worship and the message of their church. And if it's not connecting them, change what you're doing. But don't look at everybody else and gauge your success based upon how many likes your video is getting from other people. Absolutely. See, I, I, I saw the same Brady Shearer post. Um, uh, someone on our team sent it, sent it to us, and I, you know, I agreed with part of it in that you've got to think of the online experience and the online user. And so that meant we scaled everything way back. Like everything's way shorter than yeah. a typical Sunday morning service, but yeah. I, I'm with you in the, you know, how you've pivoted because I was like the Pentecostal experience is fundamentally different. And, you know, we don't close by the offering. We, we typically in a service close when enough people start running to the front and throwing themselves on the ground and frying like bacon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of how it goes. Like, you know what I mean? Like literally it's like by the time someone does a third lap around the church, we're like, okay, I probably should stop now. Um, and, and you know, all, all kidding aside is that you're right. There is that immediately experiential element. And I think for us, we just acknowledged that everyone was at home and, you know, we, yeah. we acknowledged everyone was at home and we told them to participate, um, spiritually. And so even like worship team, we're like, get up off the couch, uh, get ready, you know, sing at the top of your lungs. Don't worry. No one's going to hear you. You're, you're by yourself with your family kids. I want you to start jumping around in front of the screen. Let's, let's, let's lift up Jesus. And the feedback from yeah. that has been, has been, has been phenomenal. And I, I think there's another thing about that kind of format, at least for us, was when we had the behind the pulpit set up, was there's a familiarity, like everything that can be shaken is shaken right now. And seeing your pastor right. behind the pulpit for us in our church, you know, we were like, you know, we, uh, comforting. It was comforting. It's he's he hasn't moved, and of course, obviously, uh, you know, uh, any leader, any church leader is is a, a regular human being. But when you get up and you open the Word of God, and there is that that image of stability, it reminds you that God hasn't changed, that God hasn't moved, at least for our church and our stuff. So I think it's really cool to hear that you guys. You had a setup. It was it was uh, engaging. You liked it. You're trying to create for the online environment, but it looks like as time has gone, you've you're beginning to pivot and change and respond to what the needs right. of your people have been. Yeah, and even like uh, you know our, our music leader Brad, he's trying to figure out a way to make it feel as as worshipful as possible. And during that setup where we were in the circle. Um, there's a, there's an old lyric from an old song that I won't necessarily um, push, but the lyric was talking about a girl saying she's always smiling for pictures that aren't being taken. And if you make your singers feel like the camera's so close to them, they start acting different, except the pictures are being taken, you know, and so even their expressions are tighter. It's like you're a little bit more hesitant. Like me, man, if you if you take a picture of me, I can't make a genuine smile to save my life. Like, unless somebody actually makes me laugh, I look like I'm in pain. And so <laughs> with, if the experience doesn't feel genuine, then you have to find a way to make them more comfortable to feel genuine. I, that's what we're trying to do. And I think that we're get by the time we get this completely figured out, this whole pandemic will be over and we'll be moving on to whatever else. But uh, 
but we're, we're trying, you know, and we do feel like it's, it ha- it's having an impact. I mean, we feel the presence of God whenever we're doing this. So if we're feeling the presence of God, uh, this is one thing I was going to bring up. We, we actually pre-record now. And okay, the reason cool. we pre-record is because we had so many issues with, with, uh, we actually have been using Wirecast for quite a bit of time. Uh, Dean switched us over to that uh, a few years ago, I believe. Um, but we had so many issues with their servers being overloaded, especially at exactly 10 o'clock in the Bible Belt, where everybody's broadcasting at the exact same time. It seemed right. like we couldn't handle the load. So they just switched to something called Restream. And I don't think they switch. I think it's in addition to it. But Restream, you, re- you pre-record, and then you set a time for it to upload. And then Restream sends it to Facebook, sends it to YouTube, to Vimeo at the same time, and it, uh, it broadcasts as if it's live, but it doesn't have the hiccups and it doesn't have all the issues. So switching to Restream was – that's something that they stumbled across after Sunday morning service, actually. And Levi called him like, hey, could you see a Pastor Dean School with us getting this? And I was like, man, if you think it's going to help, uh, Pastor Dean said go for it. So they did it, and man, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a huge difference, to be honest. We, like I said, we're still doing live and we're using Wirecast in part because we're streaming from Canada and we're not in, the, we're not in the Bible belt. We're one of like, we're like yeah. one of the only few churches that are like doing anything in our city, period. Um, yeah. Most of, most of them have shut, just, they just shut right down. They're just like, we're staying home. Uh, and so we've got, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we just switched to YouTube. Uh, so we're, we're we're streaming from uh, to Facebook and to YouTube simultaneously, and the clarity and the quality of the stream on YouTube is so much better um, than just what we were doing just right on Facebook. And so uh, we've we've thought about uh, pre-recording. In fact, we have three services pre-recorded along with about a dozen worship songs because. Um, our wonderful prime minister uh, has ordered up the military. Um, uh, and so they said, expect to see some trucks hanging around Toronto um, or going up just in case, cause it's flood season, but they're debating the emergency measures act, which is basically Canadian martial law. And, uh, and so if that happens, we can't go to the church with our skeleton crew of five and, and record. So we had to have these backup services uh, question. And we didn't really kind of like, we're just, we didn't really plan for for this particular question. How what's been the what's the experience like doing a pre recorded event versus a live event? What what did you have to you um, know? Where do you have to go mentally to kind of to amp up your you get get your team in gear for for the, something like a pre recorded event? So Pastor Pastor Dean was Pastor Dean. I'll, I'll just call him Dad. Um, he and I had a conversation whenever we were talking about doing that and he's like, you know, a little bit worried about how that's going to, is it going to break spiritually? Is it going to do something that, that makes it feel unnatural? And we were a little bit worried about that, but we tried it. And man, the first time we did it, it's like, we, we've, we felt the Holy ghost move. And then it was almost like a stamp of approval. Like, you know what? It's okay. It's going to be fine. And it hasn't been an issue. I think what it, the temptation is that every small mistake that you have to stop. And, uh, for Easter, like, uh, we, we did stop in one of the songs because we, we had, we got way off the loop during the bridge and it was a big deal. So we stopped. Um, but if you do, if you do that stuff too much, I do believe that that, that has the potential to kind of break people out of the spirit. So you can't worry about perfection. Yeah. Um, 
so long as you're determined to make sure that you, everything that we do, it has to be guided by the spirit, you know? Yeah. So as long as you're not aiming for perfection, but you're aiming for, um, basically to make sure that the broadcast stays up because our people are dependent upon church happening. And if our church goes down at 10, 10, 10, and it's hiccuping and stuttering all over the place that breaks them from it. And there's plenty of other churches they can hop to online. So they might do that, you know? So we want to make sure that our people have a consistent stream, that the experience is good. And that's the reason that we're doing it. Luckily it hasn't caused a break in the spirit. If it did, we'd go right back to live streaming, but um, it hasn't been bad at all. I think that's really good. That's a great point. You know, that, that I forget who, who has said it. And so uh, I'm plagiarizing a quote, perfection is the enemy of progress. And, you know, there, there's a spiritual progression to a typical Pentecostal service. And if you're striving for that, you know, that perfect, um, you know, that perfect song or, or that perfect performance, it will feel, it will feel like a performance. There's nothing you can, their mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. And as long as they're not too glaring, you just, you keep the thing rolling. Like, I mean, I made a mistake this past midweek. I walked up to the pulpit mid song without a microphone and we were live. And then, um, I had to walk back off stage, go off camera, go get a microphone and then walk back up. Like nothing had happened. <laughs> yeah, man, just leave it in. It feels natural. And I, yeah. on the Wednesday night sermon and we pre-recorded it, I said, I couldn't say Admiral. I kept on saying <laughs> Admiral bubble. And I, I was like, I'm not even trying to say admirable. I'm saying admirable bubble for some reason. And uh, I think we just left that in there because I got embarrassed and maybe it was humanizing. I don't know, but it's fine to have that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it makes you feel more human and connected, I think, but as long as it's not too severe, you know? So now that, you know, um, let just kind of shifting gears a little bit. So Sunday's obviously the big thing that, that every church had to figure out. They, they had to, they had to find a way to make Sunday happen. And so whether that was um, live stream or whether it was pre-recorded, whether it was in the church, in the homes, everyone's trying to figure out the best way to do it and deliver the, a spiritual experience online in homes. But there yeah. are other components of church life that have to be, that have to continue to be cultivated and managed and uh, I have found in, in our church at this particular season that that almost equal with Sunday and that spiritual connection that people have with God is the connection that they have with each other and with the church. And yeah. so how are you guys keeping people connected? How are you conducting pastoral care and, and taking care of the needs of people? Well, Okay, so there's a few things. First of all, um, in order to stay connected with uh, with my with my father, what he's doing, he's he's uploading a daily little address every single day where he talks to the church people, and uh, Levi uploads that to Instagram for him. And that that little point of connection has actually been huge for our people. We have obviously up, up increased our text frequency and call frequency uh, frequency. That's what I've been doing more than almost anything is just texting people, making sure they're okay. We have people that have lost their job. So we're checking on them and seeing how they are. We've had people that have had babies. We've had two born so far and we think we're going to have another born during this time period. So we're, you know, making sure that, Hey, we see your baby, your baby's beautiful. We really wish that we could be there to hold it and all that. But one of the things that happened was it was not our idea. Like we can't take any credit for it. Um, Connor, one of, one of my guys, uh, I think you've met Connor several times actually. 
Connor texted me and he said, Hey, um, can we deliver meals to the shut-ins? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> you can deliver meals to the shut-ins. It's obviously fine. So he got with Karen, our office admin, and um, they've been connecting to people and they ask him, Hey, do you need groceries? Do you need a meal? Do you need anything? If people that are relying upon public transportation, like they can't go get their groceries. So people will go get their groceries for them. Uh, we have a massive team of volunteers that have been helping. But one thing they've done is they do a weekly meal for these shut-ins and our shut-ins now, uh, last week, we have a family called the Houston's and they're incredible, man. They're just a family full of volunteers. They have been cooking meals for 150 people. Wow. And then we have a team that comes up to the church and they sanitize every single bag. They come out with gloves and they have got masks on. Uh, they come out, they deliver them to your car. They give you gloves to use. They give you uh, sanita- uh, sanitization wipes and uh, you clean as much as possible. They go to the shut-in's house. They press the doorbell and they leave the meal on their porch. They don't come in. They don't hug them. They've had people try to hug them and say, thank you. But they say, we got to stay back. But they're delivering 150 meals to our shut-ins. And that little point of connection has been amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's made people, first of all, people that the reason we've had so much growth in the past year and a half is because we've involved so much more of the church. Uh, these connect groups that we've done these small groups have connected so many more people and they've been more involved. I think our volunteer base went up 400% in that year and a half. Wow. And so our, our thought was we've got to keep these people involved. And luckily they've been so involved for so long. It, it was like their ideas to do this stuff. And so they're mowing each other's houses. They're, they're, their lawns, I should say. Uh, they're, they're mowing people's lawns for them. They're going there, they're doing little tasks for them that they can, you know, without making physical contact or whatever, the restrictions might be, but they're staying involved in a lot of it man, because just the heart of our people has been changed over the past few years. And uh, they just keep coming up with different ideas. Now they're wanting to deliver meals to the Sunday school kids that come in on our buses that don't have a family that's connected to our church. And so that's kind of, that's been probably the best point of connection is this ministry where they're delivering meals and finding ways to just stay connected to them and ask them if they need anything. And that's, it's been huge. That's uh that's fantastic. That that's been one of the challenges I think that that churches that have a a, a big serving model have faced is is how you can yeah. keep people involved. You know, I I had volunteers reach out reach out to me um and say, "Hey, is there any way that I can serve in a service? Is there any way that I can do this or I can do that?" And because of the severity of the restrictions in gathering, we've we've had to say no. You you can't come to the church and and help. But we've been trying to find yeah <laughs> other ways to keep to keep people connected and finding ways to keep people connected through serving is really the best because you're facilitating like you know two or three major needs. Number one, people get to feel like they matter. Two, they're actually progressing the kingdom of God by serving. By serving the kingdom, serving the least of these, like the early church did in Acts, and you're they're also yeah. being able to connect with other, with other human beings, and yeah, like that that's that's huge, that that's massive. Yeah, like, we've had people doing Bible studies on Zoom. Yep, uh, they've had little meetings where they'll just even if it's not a Bible study, they'll just connect each other on Zoom and just start talking and and hanging out that way, um, that little point of connection where people just know you care and you're thinking about them and you want to talk to them. And even the introverts out there, they're, they're feeling this need for human connection and, uh, they're finding ways to do it. 
And and I feel like this is such an important time for the church to keep people connected. I, I don't know what it's like in 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 Bozier, but like I went to the grocery store last night and nobody wanted to look me in the eyes. Because everybody <laughs> is so yeah. scared. And yeah. and you realize just the sense of hopelessness and dread you have if if you don't have Jesus. And, and so keeping the body connected to just by being around one another, we just remind each other, okay, we're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. It's going to be all good because we got the Lord. The Lord's with us. I think it's huge. I like, I like right. zoom. We just, we just boosted our, um, our zoom account and created a, a whole kind of user and login system for, uh, for games, for families to get together and have game nights. So that they can, there's, there's this guy in our church, he's found a way to play games online through Zoom and connect like this online gaming site to Zoom. And they're playing, um, I forget the name, it's a board game. Um, they're playing with other families through through Zoom and uh, using the churches. The churches bought extra subscriptions so that, you know, they're not bound. Families aren't bound by a 45-minute time limit. And we're just kind of giving that login information away and saying, hey, you know, go have a game night. Involve a whole bunch of other families. Just because that, you're right, even even the even the introverted um, among us, they, they're feeling the need for that human connection. They just, we're not wired. We're not wired for this level of isolation. And I don't know. Um, I don't know how it's been. In it. It's been for you guys, but but one of the things that we're having dialogue around here is that the mental health crisis that is going to be created by COVID nineteen. If this continues on, and our prime minister is talking about how he's, he's changed his tune over the past forty eight hours because of the pushback, but he was saying, you know, these kind of lockdown measures are going to stay in place until a vaccine is uh yeah. is going to be available and that's not for another six to 18 months and i was like forget and and again uh, i'm not one of those covid 19 deniers and you know worried about yeah. 5g and all that other weird stuff on the internet um i i think this is real my wife works in healthcare. they're trying to you know redeploy tens of thousands of 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 employees to be able to address this right now in the hospital systems that that she's connected to and like it's it's a it's a big deal, but you can't you can't keep people locked up in their homes and not expect there to be a tremendous impact on marriages and families. And so finding ways, the church finding ways to creatively just keep social connections alive, I think is is so so huge. So you guys are doing the serve project uh, where you're serving and then the Zoom Bible studies, um, you're calling, you're texting. Anything else there? If if not, that's fine. But is there anything else, yeah. any other ways that people are connecting yeah, you want to share? I have to give a shout out to our children's ministry too, man, because they're doing these, uh, Ashley and Brett Grantham, they're, they're doing these little 15 minute, uh, like we call our Wednesday night children's ministry rock. And they're doing these little episodes online. They're 15 minutes long. They do two little action songs where the kids jump up and, you know, do all the little dancing and, and all that. And then they have a little short Bible lesson. And man, my kids, they're like raring to go on Sunday morning. They're really ready to get up and, after the first one, my son turns around and he said, I think I'm going to love all these episodes, Dad. And I'm like, yeah, I know you are, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's been fantastic, man. Just the, it, the the team gets up there. It's the same crew gets up to record them. So, you know, there's more burden on them. But that little 15-minute episode makes a huge difference for our kids to stay uh, connected as well. But, yeah, 
that's that's all that I can think of off the top of my head. I hope I'm not forgetting anything, but I probably am. Shifting gears again, you know, um, so we've talked about Sunday. We've talked about the relationship side of things, those, you know, the, and, and helping people stay, you know, serving and plugged into ministry. Uh, my next question is about kind of the, the business side of church. And, you know, as I've said in every interview, we all, you know, when we all cried at an altar and, and said, you know, Lord, we'll be pastors, we'll be leaders, we're, we're going to preach the gospel. We never, you know, we, we never got in this for the money. We never got in this for, um, you know, the administrative and financial side of things. It always was about burden and people. However, we do got to be good good stewards of the resources and the systems uh, of the church. So how is Bosher City handling things like giving and uh, even other church systems, whether whether it's follow-up or uh, other administrative tasks, uh, all of that has kind of been tipped over because of, of coronavirus. And so what are you guys doing on kind of the administrative business side of church to keep to keep the thing moving. And and I know it's important because your church is a huge missions church. And there are so many missionaries that that depend on you and and that have been blessed by you guys throughout the past. And so I, I if there's anything I know about your dad, that's gonna be something that's gonna be in his heart, in his mind, all of the time. Yeah. So what are you guys doing to keep the church financially afloat or, you know, helping people give and worship through giving or any of those administrative systems. So what, how are you handling, how are you handling those things now? Yeah, I'm, um, this is probably an area in which you, I mean, you've been to our church, you know, our people, Bossier city is, is a little bit, um, extra blessed, might even say spoiled in this way that we just have a tremendously giving group of people. And there's, there's no pandemic on earth that would stop our people from giving. Um, now we have, like, as I said before, we've, we've had people, we've had people lose their jobs during this time. People, uh, people have been furloughed. We've had a few issues like that. And we're hoping that, that God can help, you know, find a place for them. And we know that he will, but, uh, for the most part, our giving, uh, so far has not really been hit. Now we are fortunate that we have had online giving set up for a number of years now. Um, sister Karen, our business admin with whom you're, you're pretty familiar with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's awesome. She's 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 the financial guru at our church. So she's taking care of all this stuff. Now, the one challenge that we have is that we use ACS right now, and their online giving is not the most user friendly thing in the world. But if you integrate a system like Planning Center's giving, once the donations come in, you have to double enter that stuff at the end of the month. But man, that is a that is a tremendous burden to put upon a person. It is. So we haven't transitioned to another giving solution. We have found. Some stuff like push base seems like it's a solution that won't require double entry like that. But yeah, I think that's online giving is really a challenge to find a system that's easy to use, but it's not going to create more hassle down the road. And so that's actually something we're looking at. I can't claim that we have a perfect solution for that. Um, and follow up, man. How many meetings have y'all had in your church about follow up solutions in the past several years? How many meetings? Uh... Yeah, how many times have y'all talked about that? Uh, probably nearly every time we get together, we talk about who to follow up on and how to follow up on them. It's the toughest thing, man. Follow-up is difficult anyways on a regular Sunday without a pandemic. Follow-up's difficult, but right now we're pushing people towards our contact page 
on our site. Like whenever we whenever we broadcast now, uh, we just did an announcement yesterday for our, for our, uh, midweek service. We want people to go to our contact page, connect to us, and ask us. You know, if there's anything they need, uh, talk to us about that. If they want to just get connected to our church, if they need more information, contact us, and it goes. The email goes to our team, and they'll get back with them. They have prayer requests, stuff like that. But right now, we're really trying to capitalize on the fact that so many people are using social media right now mm-hmm. that our social media team has been in overdrive for a while. Now, a lot of that falls on Levi, but uh, there have been a lot of people commenting on the videos. Uh, whenever our live stream is going out, people are going to be con- uh, commenting on the stuff, and we want people to interact as much as possible that way. But, um, yeah, the follow-up, if you have a really good solution during a pandemic, please share it. And uh, if anybody listening to this has a really good solution, you can look me up on any social media page whatsoever. Just look for Ryan Austin Dean and help me figure it out because, man, we're we're trying to figure this out. Yeah, that that's been the thing. Um, so we we use we use Tidely for our church management, formerly Alvanto. Um, so we do our all our that's online right. giving and everything through them. They're great as far as the database management and all that kind of stuff. So we can we can pull names and numbers really really fast. But when you have a database um, that's got a couple of thousand people in it, um, because you've got data on people that have everyone that's come through the doors of your church over the past like half decade, that's that's a lot of people to kind of come through. Um, Again, because of Jordan Ansley and Matt Ansley of Ansley Creative, ansleycreative.ca, plug for them there. (laughs) I think it's .ca. If not, um, you'll eventually find it because Google's good like that. Um, they created a special landing page called mylifepoint.today. And we now have um, we have a digital connection card that should be going on there live. And then we have um, a chat with the pastor right now button. And it takes you to Facebook Messenger. And we're, work, we're trying to work on building a chat bot that will filter what people need so that by the time it lands on the phone of a, one of our ministry staff, they know what this person needs, and so. But right, right now they they send our, uh, uh, they have the ab- ability to like just through one click begin to message our church, and all of our ministry team has the Facebook Manager app on and the ability to receive and respond to messages. That's what we're doing uh-huh. right now, and we pin that link on our live stream. So on Facebook Live, we pin. You can have the ability to pin a post. So every time that someone comes on, the first thing that they always are going to see ever is, if, "Do you need to talk to a pastor? Do you want to get more connected to church? Go to mylifepoint.today. Click on chat with a pastor right now. We're waiting on you. We're waiting for you, and we're here to give you a call or whatever. Right? So there's some posts like that. So that's what we're doing. But I mean, this is our first global pandemic, so we're not sure how effective it's going to be. And uh, but that that's one yeah. of the things we're we're trying. But I'm I'm with you. Follow up is one of those things. It just at the end of the day, there's no system perfect system. There is just simply a way to connect, you know, names and phone numbers, and you just gotta call them or connect with them. And it's imperfect and yeah. bump along and and hopefully God God helps. So you got online giving. Um, social media is your main source of follow-up. You mentioned earlier the calls and social media posts and all that kind of stuff um, to, to connect connect with people. Um, is there anything else on that, or is that pretty much it? That's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, one of the things that I've discovered in my first global pandemic uh, is how important principles are 
in driving your decisions because the model's gone. Like that's, uh, I'm I'm a planner, Ryan. You and I've been friends forever, and you know I like structure. I like I like planning. <laughs> Um, it, you laugh because you know, if like plans change my, it's like my skin is covered in bugs. Uh, <laughs> I hate it. Like, I want to know, I want to know what I'm doing and I don't like to make changes. Like I don't like once we, once we talk through it, let's, let's not open this conversation again. Cause it's done. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things that I've had to learn is, is that God has been using this to keep me more flexible because literally everything is changing almost on a weekly basis as far as restrictions and what we can do and, and all that kind of stuff. And so principles becoming the blueprint of your decision-making process. So like whether it's, it's just general spiritual principles or, you know, core values of an organization, those things, they reign supreme like the vision of your church, the principles you use to make decisions, they're now the roadmap that 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 you have to use because the model is gone. And you're literally trying yeah. to experiment your way through this. And like you said, by the time we figure the model out, the pandemic will probably be, be over or over the following week. And so I know it's probably the same with you guys. So what, what principles drive your decisions as – you're trying to figure all this stuff out and find a way to, you know, connect with people, do Sunday, preach the gospel. What, what values, what, what principles are driving all of your decisions? Our principles as a church, that anointing uh, has to come from above. That, that, that's, that's God's connection with my dad, with our pastor, you know, and the principles that he has instilled in our church for, what is it? thirty. 32 years now, I believe. Wow. Uh, longer than that, 33 years nearly, has been an apostolic church. To have an apostolic church in this modern world and to reestablish apostolic things. And the funny thing about this pandemic is that in some ways it's made us reconnect to an, an apostolic model in that the early church was forced underground, man. Like, we, we forget this. We don't think about it. We think that we've got it so hard right now. The early church was forced underground. They were meeting in their homes. Now, right now, it's just families meeting in their homes. But it's making people discover whether or not they actually have a, a real connection with God for themselves. Because in a, in a church with 600 people in it, when you come into our service and we're worshiping, if you don't get plugged into the worship service, probably not many people are going to notice. But if you're there in your house and you're needing to feel God's presence during a time of real, real uncertainty— an apostolic church is still going to be able to feel the presence of God in their home because they're going to say, you know what, I've, I've got this connection with God. I have a prayer life. I have a life in the Word. I have a life where I'm depending upon God. It's made us depend upon Him more. And I think that's the unintended positive side effect of all this stuff is that we're learning to depend on God even more. And um, we've, man, we've talked about this so many times, and you've heard me preach about it many times. But my little family has been hit over the years. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I have had a bunch of hurdles to get over. And those hurdles haven't necessarily stopped. We can, we continue to see, like, you know, we're expecting them to stop. 
and then some something new will be introduced and we're like okay god where are you right now and then god shows up and then we're like okay why didn't you why didn't you come at this certain time but you know god be praised you're still here whatever and over the years we've learned that we didn't actually trust in god before mm. and the only way that we feel like we trust in god now is because through those other storms he shows up in a way where we know it could have only been god yes and right now a lot of people are experiencing that feeling like, how do I trust in God right now when there's so much uncertainty in the world? And first of all, get off of the news for 20 minutes per day, please. Because all that does is feed this, this lack of faith that's kind of sweeping everybody right now. This is a perfect time to realize that God is who he says that he is. This is, uh, to me, this is one of the most positive experiences in the sense that it has pulled away all the veneer, all the sheen that we've relied upon. And we've church has gotten very cute over the past few decades because we're not quite the pariahs that we used to be. My grandfather, whenever he, whenever he came back to the States after the war, he determined that he was going to serve God because he made a promise to God in the battlefield. And he comes home and he, he just happens to go to this Pentecostal church and he becomes a Pentecostal long story short, he becomes a Pentecostal and his family all said, Bill's lost his mind from the war. Uh, there, he's over at that church where they're throwing something on people and making them act weird. And uh, he was kind of demonized by his entire family. Right now, the church has not been demonized for a while. We might think that we've been persecuted. We haven't. The church has been in other parts of the world. Yeah, they have. But the North American church, in large part, we got very comfortable. We got very cute. This strips away all the cuteness and all the veneer and all the sheen that we've had build up over the years. And now we're rediscovering whether or not we actually trust in God. And what people are discovering is that it is possible to still trust in God. When all the, the crutches are pulled away from us, it's still possible to trust in God. And uh, the principle of being apostolic means that we have to be able to trust in God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, in the midst of not, not, I wouldn't say true persecution yet for the North American church, but seeing a glimpse of what it might be like, we can still have God and we can still have people being baptized in swimming pools around the church. We saw somebody baptized in a, in a, in a tub a few weeks ago. That's amazing. Uh, God's still moving. And is this, is this the answer that you're looking for? Because I started rambling because. No, I no, this is, this is amazing. Emotional. No, this is fantastic. And uh, this, this is, a, that was an incredible answer. And that is like the principles you're thinking through is okay. We, we, we have not ceased to be an apostolic church. What is an apostolic church? What does it mean to trust in God? What does it mean to follow the leading and voice of the Spirit? And those are your principles. It's 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 we have no map. The mission hasn't stopped. And um and and our our values are that we follow the Spirit of God and we com we trust yeah. completely in him to supply all that we need. That's that's yeah, what we I, do. I got to say this. I was having a conversation. You you're, you know Baron Carson, right? Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been chatting. Um, uh, we've been we've actually called him on Facebook Messenger. I called him like two weeks ago, <laughs> and we chatted on the phone. Yeah. So, for people that don't know, Baron and his wife Jennifer are missionaries to to France right now. They're from our church. He's a very good friend of mine, and he has a lot of expertise when it comes to this stuff. So I was asking him for his opinion on some of the webcast stuff, and he brought a scripture up. And the con the full context of the scripture was about something different, but the principle is still the same no matter what. It's uh, Acts 15 and 28. He sent it to me last night. It said, For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us 
to lay upon you no grip, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on, but that's that's the key right now. It, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. Right now, the temptation would be to say, hey, it seems good to us that this is a, what we need to do going forward, but that's the wrong order because if the Holy Ghost gives, gives us approval after the fact, we're doing it wrong. It seemed yeah. good to the Holy Ghost, comma, and to us, comma. It's being led by the Spirit during this time that's the most important thing. And uh, we can't, that's why I got to bring up, we can't get caught up in the comparisons right now. We have to let the spirit guide us through this. And that's how we're going to trust in God is just by trusting in his spirit rather than our own expertise and our own philosophies and our own education and all the things that we think might be cool. We just got to, we still have to be led by the spirit. Absolutely. And one of, one of the core values of our church is we're spirit led, we're spirit driven. And yeah, what that means is, is that, Exactly what you said. We're not comparing ourselves with with other churches, and we don't do things based on what we see other people do. We're going, what does God want us to do here? And when we get that clarity, then we move. We move forward, and and that's what I've been kind of leaning into. It's okay. What is exactly what you said? It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us, and so it's like, okay, what what do you want to do now, God? And then yeah, when He gets that clarity, we go, okay, cool. Let's roll, and and we move and we move forward. Um, yeah. One last question. This is what I do in all interviews. I've done in the preacher interviews, um, which means I did it with your dad um, as well. Uh, when when we did his preacher interview uh, uh, last year, and that is we always give the guest the last word, and that is you close us out with parting words of advice or inspiration. And I want to do that with you, Ryan. This has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much for your time. I know things are crazy busy, both at home and uh, with the local church. So uh, you're one of my closest friends. I just want to say thank you so much. It means the world that we've been able to do this. Um, so I want to, I want you to close, I want you to close this out. So any parting words of advice or, or inspiration, anything that just is on your heart, that you want to share with the people that that will be listening to to this podcast. I want to give you the I want to give you the last word. Yeah, man. Before I do that, I I love y'all. I love you and your family. You and Seth and Judah. Y'all are awesome. Uh, the conversation that we you and I and Kelvin had that little running group text is one of the highlights of my day. A lot of times. Yeah. Um, y'all mean the world to me, man. I love I love y'all to pieces. Yeah, we love um, you. We love you too. In fact, I, I was just say, go, sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just say I was actually just chatting <laughs> with Kelvin. I was chatting with Kelvin today. I was chatting with Kelvin today, and he's like, "Yo, yo, we gotta get Dean on a call because he video chatted me." And uh, he was like, Can "We we need to do this. We need to do this." But yeah, man, feeling is mutual. It's the the uh, that text thread. It it makes money. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll turn what, this. What, turn you, this back what you guys just heard was a was like the the. The southern touchy feely sensitivity just made the the Canadian a little bit uncomfortable there. No, right, no, no. I'm 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 all I'm I'm <laughs> I'm about as touchy feely as a frozen northern can person can get, which is not touchy feely. Really getting well. disgusting. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, close this out. Close this out. <laughs> I've I've said this I've said this already online, uh, and it's because it's what I've been feeling. Every time I talk to God and every time I open the word right now, this pandemic thing, I know I have the luxury of my job right now is not in jeopardy. Um, 
but if I trust in God, if we truly trust in God, even if that job is stripped away from me, even if my family doesn't really have a place to stay right now, we have to find a different solution. Even if the church, as it as we know it, falls apart, the church will always persist. It will always prevail. It will always be there. The church was driven underground, you know, 2,000 years ago, and it thrived to the point where they had to change the official religion of the government because the church could not be stopped. If you believe right now, what are we going to do? If you're looking around saying, what are we going to do? Stop it. Because God is going to have the greatest revival lined up for us right now. There are countries that people don't even know we have missionaries in them, where people where they're having the greatest revival in the world in the world, and we can't even talk about it because it's hidden, it's underground. What we're going through right now is a precursor to the greatest revival that we are ever going to have. Because God is making us less dependent upon the four walls of the church, and He's saying, "Hey, I can still have a church through you, in you. You are the church body." So I'm not pessimistic right now. I'm not worried about what's coming up. I'm not worried about what God is going. How is God going to use all of this? All we need to know is that He's still God. He's still going to have a church, and we're still going to have the greatest revival that we have ever seen. This is the angel's lips are on the trumpet right now. The moment is coming up soon. This is God preparing us for something incredible. I believe that in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're listening, I don't know why, but since we haven't had anybody to say amen to us in, in quite a while now, if you're listening to it, say it out loud, amen.